over the last few weeks, we've looked at the lives of a number of people and their journeys of faith that they travel through. And I wanted to look this morning at the life of someone that's nameless. A young man that was in a seminary, you might say, who was trusting God, seeking God's way for him. Understanding that, that the doors were open ahead of him to serve and God would provide the needs. But sometimes in our faith journey, God wants us to understand really how much he will be to us and through us if we will yield to him. Because many people don't understand the importance of yielding. God didn't need us for our creative intellect. God's so creative he made us. But he wants us to be a reflection of who his son is. And it's important for us to understand that God loves us. And he knows better what we need than anyone else. This story took place in the 8th century B.C. During the time of the kings when Israel was split into two kingdoms. Israel was the north, Judah was the south. And amazingly, the two central characters in here, one we don't know their name and the other is really new on the scene. Elisha had just become the dean of the school of prophets, the seminary there, because he was the, the right-hand man of Elijah. He was his attendant. He was uh, studying by him. Elijah was his mentor. And he was amazed and marveled at how God had used Elijah. In fact, at one point when, when Elisha is preparing to leave this world, and boy did he leave this world in an amazing way, but Elisha said this, he said, he said, I want a double portion of your spirit and your blessing. I want twice what you've had. Now, that's an amazing request to make. And Elijah said, that, that's, that's outstanding. You've asked for a difficult thing. But he said, if you see me when I'm taken up, if you can, can see me going up, you will receive it. And you know what's amazing? You can go through and count and for every miracle that Elijah performed, Elisha performed too. He got the blessing. God touched him in a special way, gave him what he wanted. In fact, we often, we often look at and, and hear about a new president of a university or a seminary uh, coming into their what we used to call coronation. Uh, it just happened this past week at, at Selma University. They have a new president there. It's a big event when they do that. Well, in order for Elisha to become the, the, the dean of the school of prophets there, he walked to the edge of the Jordan River because he was on one side and he saw Elijah taken up. And on the other side were all the prophets that were in the school there, the young ones that were learning. And he stood there at the water's edge of the Jordan. He took off his cloak and he said this, he said, where is the God of Elijah? And he struck the water and it divided. And he walked across on dry land. I got a feeling any of those guys that didn't like Elisha following after Elijah, they got over it by the time he hit the other side. It was apparent that God's blessing was upon him. And he wanted to demonstrate that. 
And we come to this story, which is, is marvelous because Elisha has done so many things. He, he parted the Jordan River there. He purified a water supply. He, he multiplied oil for a poor widow who was going broke. He raised uh, the, the Shunammite woman's son from the dead. Uh, he fed hundreds of men. And we're not going to talk about that nasty event with the bears, are we? When they ate somebody that made fun of him being bald-headed. He did it. He cured Naaman's leprosy. He captured a, a whole garrison of soldiers at one time because God was able to blind them. His miracles were, were remarkable, fantastic. But we come to the miracle that many say is the most insignificant miracle. And I strongly disagree with that. Because even though these others may be more grandiose, they may catch people's attention. They're what I call the David Copperfield kind of things. Everybody wants to see that done several times. But some people think the, the floating axe head is insignificant. I think it's a powerful message. Because this young man was in seminary, and like most young men in seminary, he couldn't even afford an axe. He had to borrow one. And the feeling was mutual with everyone that their growth was so uh, substantial that they needed to build a new building. And so they go down and begin to, to fell some trees. And in the midst of chopping down trees, this unnamed prophet loses his iron axe head off the end uh, of the axe handle and it falls into the Jordan River and he panics now the story is, is, is one that we know but the reality is it's a message to us God has a way of taking care of us when we're serving him he can restore anything that's broken. He can bring us back to a place that we need to be in. He can put us in a situation where we can truly serve God. The man lost his axe head and he lost his effectiveness to do what he was doing at that time. He was not only upset about that, it was borrowed. It belonged to someone else. And he wanted to get it back to the person that had loaned him that axe head. But the reality is this. There's some principles here that we need to focus on in our own life because we can come to the place where we're with the group, so to speak. We're still in ministry. We're still in church. We're still calling ourselves children of the king. But somewhere along the way, we've lost our effectiveness. It's disappeared. We don't know why. It's, it, it's, it's just gone. And we want to be back where we once were. God hears that prayer. He understands that prayer. He responds to that prayer. The first thing God always does is He calls us to admit that we've lost our power. We've lost our effectiveness. Now, some people are too proud to do that. They talk about the good old days, but they never fail to mention that at some point they, they stop serving God. And people do that for a lot of reasons. Some people stop serving God because they get upset or angry. Something happens in the midst of the church and they're discouraged and they walk away. Some people lose it because they take on a, a fascination with something that they feel at the time is more important. 
Sin has a way of wrapping itself up in a gift that, that makes you think that it's more significant than anything else you do. And it's so easy to get distracted from what God has called us to do. And some people just become complacent. They don't feel the power of God in their life anymore. They don't see the hand of God working. But the reality is, they've walked away from God. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But we can certainly close our eyes and turn our backs on Him. And it's often done. It's done in so many different ways. But we've got to realize at some point, if we've lost our power with God, we have got to confront that. You know, he was assisting in building of this school, and, and in the middle of that, everything stopped. He could have stood back and said, well, the rest of y'all can do that. I've worked hard enough. Years ago, I pastored a church in downtown Atlanta that had about an eight-acre front yard. It was a beautiful sweeping yard from the height of the sanctuary. It just kind of slowly glided down to Ponce de Leon Avenue, right across from Emory University. Beautiful yard. It was not unusual to go by there on a Saturday afternoon and see a busload of people stop and have their picture taken because it was a perfect place for large groups to stand. It was not rare to see married couples come by there in their dress, even though they weren't married in the church, they're wanting a picture in front of that church. But on the days when we had work days, and, and that congregation was much older, and this was in the 80s, and most of them were in their 80s, and uh, they felt like that if you go to church and worship, you need to go to church and work. That was that generation. Now, that doesn't work for most folks today. But back then, we had a work day. And you've never seen anything till you've seen 15 octogenarians get out there with lawnmowers. Uh, they, I mean, that was their pride and joy. They had lined those things up. And uh, I'll never forget, one man said, Y'all want to see my new 28-incher? And I thought he was talking about the rims on his car. He wasn't. He'd gotten a new snapper lawnmower. He said it's self-propelling. They'd get out and they'd line up and literally, side by side, they'd cut that front lawn. It was magnificent to watch. It was really, it was a special thing. But if anybody ever got out there and their lawnmower died on them, that was a sad thing. Uh, octogenarians are generally patient folks, but these folks weren't. They wanted, to be, they wanted to be lined up. It was almost like a race going through there. And I can remember one time, one of the lawnmowers broke down, and they just couldn't start it. He took it to the shop, had it worked on, and then two weeks later, he brought it back, and it died again. Some of the guys walked over to him, and they said, would you sell me that lawnmower? Because I'd like to rest up here just like you're doing. They're just kind of picking on it. You know what he did? He bought a new lawnmower. This guy wanted to be shoulder to shoulder with the others working. He didn't want to take a break. He, he didn't want to say that, you know, it was nice that we did that, knowing he did not get to participate fully as he desired. No, he wanted to be a part of that. Realize this, we don't, cut, we don't cut the grass here at, at First Baptist Selma. We've got somebody that does that. We don't have a whole lot of grass to cut, but it's taken care of. But we do serve shoulder to shoulder for Christ. 
Sometimes we forget that we have a responsibility in kingdom work. And we cannot pay our way out of that. I remember a person telling me years ago that had just joined my church, and they had never been to church. They were one to Christ in their home, and, and we baptized them, and they started their life in the church. And, and here's what they said. They said, am I supposed to come and do things around the church, or can I just give you my tithe check and get out of it? And one of our wonderful deacons that was serving at that one time, he put his arm around it, and he said, Jesse... I've got something that's going to shock you. You're supposed to do both and more. And he explained something to him, and I remember listening to John Maddox explain that to Jesse, and it was so beautiful. He said, right now, you feel like you don't have time to do that, but he said, once you start reading your Bible and praying, he said, you're going to really fall in love with Jesus and everything that brings you to serve the church in some way will be a joy. What a wonderful picture of, of our relationship with Him. Let's remember that when we are called to serve, we don't back down and we don't walk away. We continue to serve. It's important for us to do that. It, it, it's necessary, it's absolutely necessary that we find our place of service and, and become busy there. The reason being, in our service... Our eyes and our hearts are open to who Jesus is because we are Jesus when we serve. We are a conduit for Him, and the power of the Holy Spirit going through us will change you dramatically. If you're just going out and serving in your own strength and doing it the way you've always done when you, you were involved with an organization or group, guess what? You'll come to your tipping point and become angry. You ever seen a person that, that came into the life of the church and they got involved and there's always a point at which they got upset and they left? You see, they never fell in love with Jesus and understood that any opposition or frustration we confront, we are privileged and honored to do that. For our Lord confronted all sorts of obstacles, but He never, ever stepped away from what he was called to do by his father. Jesus was busy constantly and never allowed the naysayers or those who are negative to get him distracted from what he's doing. And that's why it's important for us to have that love relationship with the Lord. We're drawn to do more. But secondly, we like the young prophet need to determine where we've lost our focus. Because sometimes people will go through a bad situation, they lose their focus, and then they begin going in the wrong direction, and they never feel a part of what they were doing. They, they need to go back where they left off and start back again. A number of years ago, I got to go back to South Atlanta after I was pastoring in North Georgia and walk through the house that I grew up in. My mother built that house and moved into it November the 15th of 1941. And by December the 7th of 1941, she thought she made the worst decision of her life when Pearl Harbor was bombed. We lived in that little house. It was a typical World War II inner city house. It had two bedrooms, one bath, a living room, a dining room, and that was it. 
We added some rooms later on. But that house was special. And when, when the, the lady that had purchased the house from the folks that bought it from my mom invited me to come back and see the house, I walked through it. And I didn't see the, the changes they had made. That didn't matter because it wasn't going to be my house again. I kept seeing the memories of happiness and joy in that house. I remembered where we sat and would, would read the Bible and pray together as a family. I walked in the dining room and almost cried because in the dining room was so much of our, our, our life together. Un, unlike families today, unless you had lost a limb in the last hour or had been shot, you sat down at the dinner table and you sit in your seat and you talk as you eat. And you take turns. And when my dad would speak, everybody would lay their forks down and listen. I had some friends back then that said, that's a weird custom to have like that. Just, you know, have to eat all those meals together. And I miss it so much. I miss it so very much. When I turned 50, I can remember that I, I was at uh, Fellowship Baptist Church in, in Thomaston, Georgia. And I had a lot of family that lived uh, in Thomaston. And they all came over, and they were there. There were probably 300 people in a fellowship hall that was supposed to hold 100. We had a great time, and I can remember my cousin walking up to me, and he said, Jerry, if you could have anything in the world right now, what would you have? And I said, I would want to go back and have a meal in my mother's house with her cooking it. But I couldn't go back. They'd been gone for 15 years. My mom had died 15 years before that. My dad had died 26 years before that. I couldn't go back. But the memories were so powerful when I was in that house, when I walked through there. And every time I think about that, they remind me of how I began life walking with the Lord. Remember times like that, and if you ever lose your focus, go back to where you left off and start again, because God wants you to do that. I'm at that age now where I play hide-and-seek, uh, mostly with my keys. Do you all do that? Uh, I really, I, I could become rich if I could. Remember the, uh, the, uh, the uh, 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 clap on and clap off the clapper? If they would put that in our phone and in purses and in keys, Harry, we, we'd have a lot more time, wouldn't we? Because we would spend all of our time looking for things. But we're like that. And you know what's amazing? Every time I lose my keys, guess where I find them? In the exact place I left them. Always. Always. They're right where I left them. If I'll sit down, sit down and concentrate, I'll remember that. Guess where your walk with God is if you've lost it? It's right where you left it. And it's incumbent that you go back. And sometimes the journey getting back there will change your life in such a way that you'll never find yourself in that place again. But I want you to realize this. In a very important way, I want you to realize this. God will bring us back to that place. And he'll put us where we need to be. But he will not give us everything. Let me explain what I mean by that. Did you notice that Elisha did not retrieve the axe head, did, did he? He cut off a limb and he threw it down there and it came floating up and he said, go get it. God will not put you back to where you used to be when you have in, 
Either you're complacent or you're lazy or you're just sinful and you go away from there. He wants you to work your way back. You know why? Because he wants you to rekindle that joy and that desire to serve him. He wants you to find your way back there. Elijah had the power to make the axe head float to the top of the water, but he did not lift it up and hand it to that young man. He had to demonstrate the initiative to change. Sometimes our faith journey is to find where we fell away from God and go back and restore it. Because in the process of going back, we are changed. We remember. There used to be some shows on TV when I was a little kid that were remarkable. One of them was What's My Line? Y'all remember that? person would come out and, and, and they'd write their name down. And you had to guess what they did for a living. And sometimes they were downright scary. But sometimes we need to ask ourselves, what is my line? What am I supposed to be doing in the kingdom of God? Now, I want to shock you with this. There's no position in the kingdom of God that's called guy on the sidelines or lady in the stands. There are no observers. They're only participants. There's no place where you can sit back and do nothing. I know people that, that sometimes spend years and years in a church and never do anything for the kingdom of God. And they're not hurting the church. God will always supply who you need when you need them. But the reality is you're missing the blessing if you don't capture that. I've had people say, well, well, preacher, you know, I've served my time and, and I was there when my kids were little and, and I want to say, well, but what about the little kids we have now? Who's going to love them? How can we reach out to them? It's important for us to say, God's given me a talent, He's given me an opportunity, and I'm going to take advantage of it. I don't know where your axe head is. But if you walked away from God, you can find your way back. The journey of this prophet was an example for every single person in that school of prophets. It changed them. It made them different people. I think probably somewhere down the road they had a class on not losing your keys. We need that because sometimes we lose our keys and by the time we find them we forget what we needed our keys for. Or either we decide we didn't need to go on that trip after all. In our Christian faith, we do that sometimes. God wants to restore you. He wants you to find yourself and find your place again in His kingdom. He wants you to be of service to Him. He's able to give you much more than you can imagine. Elisha asked for twice of what Elijah had in the way of blessings. That sounds arrogant. It wasn't. What he was saying was, I want to be able to do twice what my master did. By the way, do you know how many years Elisha served after that? Fifty years. Fifty years. And he was obedient in every step that he took. God wants to bring you back. He wants you to remember as it said in 1 Peter 5, 17, that we're to cast all our cares upon Him because He cares for us. 
Our Father wants us to trust Him again. He wants us to depend upon Him again. He wants us to take that step of faith and begin that journey again. And it may begin for some people even today if you're willing to trust Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You love us in such a way that You never discard us. We're never cast aside or thrown away. We have purpose in our being, and you want us to fulfill that purpose. It's not that that your work in this world won't get done, and your sovereign will, it will be accomplished. But you want to give us, Father, the blessing of being a part of your kingdom. And right now, I pray for that individual that's struggling with that in their own life. They're trying to find their way back. And they need someone to point the way. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit will guide us if we will hear you. And I pray that ears would be open and tuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit even now. God, speak to someone. Someone this morning that needs to give their heart to Jesus and be saved. Someone this morning that needs to come and join this church and be a part of this fellowship because Being a part of the body of Christ really matters. Someone that needs to just come forward and pray and say, Lord, I want to go back to where I left off and start anew again walking with you. Lord, speak to someone this morning, and may they be obedient to follow you even now. For it's in your holy name we do pray. Amen.